Coming up today on Locked on Hornets, it's Whitney Wednesday. We have Chase Whitney from atthehive.com to talk about the Hornets possibly returning to play a handful of games as well as the NBA draft and this. That's a, you know, that's a word I struggle with. Internet. I always want to go internet. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Built Bar. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug is on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. I mentioned those experts. We got an expert once again. We had Rick Bennell on uh, on yesterday, not Monday because of Memorial Day. We had him on yesterday. Now we're going to go to a different one. We've had him on one other time. It's a Whitney Wednesday. We welcome Chase Whitney from At The Hive on for his second time. And you can find him on Twitter at Chase Whitney underscore. Chase, thanks so much for the time once again, man. How have you been? I've been pretty good. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. How have you guys been? Whitney Wednesday. I like that. I like that Chase. I like that Chase also has a white T-shirt on right now. We're white T-shirt bros. Uh, Walker, I noticed you were not wearing a white T-shirt, um, so you didn't get the memo. Obviously. Yeah, no, I thought I we put that in the group message before. No, you didn't. Nobody told me. I apologize for not being <laughs> part of this. If you want to take over, Doug, that's fine. I can lead you off, and then you can take over the rest of the podcast if you want. What I really wanted to talk about first, though, is the fact that it does seem like the NBA is going to return. I had used the caveat so many times as a potential season for the NBA starting, but now it seems like a likely season starting for the NBA. And we're trying to juggle the fact whether we should bring back all 30 teams or whether we should just bring the top 16 seeds in all of the conferences. If you combine both the Western and the Eastern conference, should we just bring back the best 16 teams or just play the playoffs as we usually do them? So Chase, I want to ask you about the Hornets. If we brought back the Hornets, if, They played a handful of games to try to fix a 70 game season, try to salvage something of a regular season. Would it make make much sense to you to maybe play Devontae Graham and some of the other guys we would consider the best assets? Or is it smarter to just say, look, let's call up the swarm and basically have them suit up in the big boy jerseys? I definitely think it's a good idea to sit the uh, like more important or talented players per se. Like, cause I know Damian Lillard came out and said, he's probably not going to play if the Blazers aren't like competing for the playoffs. John Wall said he's healthy, but isn't going to play if the Wizards are able to compete for the playoffs. So even though Devonte Graham, I guess, isn't on the same level as those guys, I would still at least consider sitting him out just cause if the Hornets aren't going to make the playoffs, there's really no benefit to playing him like big minutes and potentially risking his health or something like that. So okay, I so- definitely understand these players that don't want to play if they're not going to be in the playoffs. Right. But so where's the line for you? I mean, is it, does it just sit at Devonte Graham? Do you go below that into PJ Washington? Do you go below that into Terry Rozier? I mean, where is that line for you and why does the line exist where it is? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's part of the question is 
because none of you know, the Hornets aren't necessarily a team that you would think would be like load management type of players, like to just rest players for even though they're healthy. But I think like maybe if you were to draw a line, it'd probably be maybe Devonte and Miles and PJ were maybe would sit or something like that. But then again, they're all so young that it could just help them to play regardless. Because I mean, the more minutes you get at that stage, the better. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about you, Walker, but I, I'm kind of landing in that spot that these players are all young. You don't have huge contracts invested in any of them. Uh, so it's not, it's not the same as a Lillard or a wall where you're like, Oh man, I got a lot of money in these guys. Uh, so I honestly, I think you play everybody that, that wants to play that, 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 you know, and I think all these guys do, I think all these young players do want to get out there. They're itching. They're, they're ready to play some basketball. They don't want this like giant extended off season. Uh, what do you what do you think, Walker? Where are you landing on this? I'm fine with not playing PJ Washington and Devontae Graham first and foremost. I think those are the two best assets that you have on the team right now. So those are the two guys that I don't want to get hurt in meaningless basketball. I think when you talk about some of the other young guys that we like, but you wouldn't necessarily call huge assets towards the future, like maybe a Cody Martin or I, Miles Bridges would probably be somewhat close to the first two guys that I mentioned in Devontae and PJ Washington. I would be just fine sitting those. I mean, but to me, it's it's play the second rounders and the G leaguers. You know, I'm I'm absolutely fine with you putting what together what looks a lot like what the Greensboro Swarm roster would look like. Give me Ray Spalding. Give me real minutes for Kobe Simmons and Ray Spalding. I'd be just fine with those guys getting out there and playing the primetime basketball that it would allow you to play um, in this unique circumstance. And, and I say, I think the players want to play. I don't necessarily know that to be the case. And it seems like there may be a little bit of conflict between what the organization wants and what players want across the NBA. I, I, not, not with the Charlotte Hornets, but uh, specifically with the Portland Trailblazers. And you mentioned Damian Lillard. And yet Woj is reporting that Portland is one of the teams that has been advocating to uh, for their team to return. Uh, so, you know, I think that'll be interesting to see uh, if if these young players do want to get out there and, and mix it up. And here's another question for you, uh, Chase. Would, a, would an expanded playoff suddenly change that? Like if the Hornets were included in a 20 or 24 team playoff plus format, would that change things for you in terms of uh, wanting to see these guys mix it up in, in what would be technically – postseason action yeah i mean i think that's the caveat because i mean i think if you mentioned damian lillard i think if the portland trailblazers were eligible for this like 2014 playoff or whatever it be i think he would play because it's they're all competitors they want to win they want to make the playoffs every year i don't think damian lillard would be happy with the portland trailblazers picking like 12th or 13th whatever they are right now so if he if there was a chance to get them in the playoffs i think he would play and that goes for the hornets as well i think that if they were included in a like a 2014 playoff, they would definitely would not sit anybody. They'd probably go pretty hard to get into the like actual playoff because they were playing pretty well at the end of the year. But I don't know how they would be affected necessarily by having two months off. So I don't know if it would be the same quality of team that we saw in like the Miami game, for example. But I think they would go pretty hard if they were included in that sort of thing. Speaking of going hard, uh, when I go out on a run, I love to go hard. 
And that means that when I get back inside, I need to recharge. And I do that with a Built Bar. Why? Because Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. They have new flavors that come out all the time. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And oh, by the way, they are also healthy. A lot of these uh, protein bars that you get out there, they're loaded up with sugar not these they have uh four some of these have four grams of sugar that's crazy that they taste so good and have that much sugar walker i know you're a big built bar guy is it okay if i eat them in the morning just like they're candy instead of eating them after a run because that's the only reason that i eat them it's to give me energy by not also getting fat and i can just sidestep the mini muffins that i used to eat no, that's totally cool. I think you can eat the Built Bar in the morning as uh, your, it, it is replaced. I had these like cereal bars, but those they had like eight grams of sugar in them. I mean, they really weren't healthy for me. So I, yeah, in the morning, sometimes I go for the Built Bar and just say, you know what? That's breakfast, baby. I love that idea. Uh, if you want to try Bill Bar, you can go to BillBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BillBar.com. When you support our sponsors, you support what we do here at Locked On Hornets. We've got more coming up with Chase Whitney, including all of his thoughts on the NBA draft that's coming up uh, at some point. Uh, he not only tells us who he thinks the Hornets should take in the first round, he's got some second round takes, baby. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Chase, you wrote an article for at the hive about the second round prospects that the Charlotte Hornets should be looking towards. And we just mentioned a couple of guys that we actually kind of like on the Hornets roster that were drafted in the second round. They've done a pretty good job. Mitch Kupchak has Devonte Graham, of course, being one of those guys. You look at Cody Martin, even Jalen McDaniels might be somebody that people like in a Hornets jersey. Who could be those type of players that the Hornets could be looking at in this year's second round, Chase? Uh, for pick 32, there, I think there are going to be a ton of like really good options. Obviously, the lottery pick is the most important pick to nail. Like you got you got to get that one preferably because it's such high value. But with thirty two, I think there's going to be a lot of like really good players that they could take there that may have just fallen out of the first round and would have first round grades with many different teams. I like Devon Dotson if they don't go for a smaller guard with the lottery pick, and I like Xavier Tillman as a big if they don't go in that direction on the lottery because he, he's just like an insanely good short roll passer and he's a little undersized, but he would help a lot with their very woeful rim protection right now. And Desmond Bain is another guy that I like. He's just is a very NBA ready player. He can shoot the lights out. He would fit really well in James Brago's system. He'd probably play, take up some of like Dwayne Bacon's minutes from last season. I would imagine at least. Yeah. And Grant Riller is also somebody that you have uh, written down in your article. And uh, you say that if he's available at 32, Mitch Kupchak should sprint to the podium. What do you like about the Charleston guard? Uh, he, I think he's really good. I, he's a small school guy, so he doesn't get quite as much as attention as others. But I think if he went to like North Carolina or Duke or something, he'd probably be like a top 15, 20 prospect. He, he's such a good finisher at the rim. I mean, if you just watch his tape, like, it, you'll see so many different kinds of layups 
and like body contortion twists while he's going up that you've just never really seen before out of a guy, especially going to college of Charleston. And I, I just think that he, I don't even know if he'll be available at 32, which is why I didn't mention him originally. He started out in the pre-draft process around that range, but I think he'll probably get scooped up in the like 20s or maybe 29th or 30th around there before the Hornets can get to him. But he's just like an insanely good like backup point guard, like six-man microwave scorer, I think, in the NBA. And let me tell you, if Mitch Kupchak does have to sprint to the podium, he can do it. Uh, while I was uh, living in, in Fourth Ward, I ran by Mitch, and he had the he had the track shorts on, and he was getting it. So uh, Mitch Kupchak. Oh, really? Yeah, he's still got the legs, baby. Don't you? Don't you? Yeah, but Doug likes Doug likes to say that players are faster than they really are. Like this, for some reason, this is actually a common theme. I mean, what what are the players that you've said are actually faster than what they really are? Like you think they're actually crazy fast, and really they're just faster than what you are, Doug. Well, I don't think you can be faster than you really are. You are as fast as you are. I think you can be sneaky fast. I think you can. You're I think you're making them that though. Right. I think you can be faster than people perceive you to be. That's what I'm saying. I think you can be sneaky fast. And Mitch Kupchak is definitely sneaky fast. Okay. I wouldn't have uh, pegged Mitch Kupchak for sneaky fast. I would imagine it would take him a pretty decent time, even in a sprint, to get to the podium. Is there anybody that, let's say, would be available at eight overall, Chase, that if he was available, you would still advocate for the still slow in my eyes, Mitch Kupchak? to go sprint to the podium to go get has, has any uh, opinion you've always changed since we last talked about maybe some of the guys that you still like there that could be there at number eight. Well, I definitely still like Onyeko Kongwu. I mean, if they're going for like a drafting for need type of thing and he's available, I think that they should definitely pick him. I mean, he could either start or back up Cody Zeller and would solve a very large amount of their defensive interior issues just right off the bat because he's just super long. He's athletic. He can defend the rim and on offense, he can make short roll passes and he can blow by players one-on-one from the elbow and stuff too. Uh, I, I don't know why this is happening, but I've seen Killian Hayes mocked in the Hornets like draft range a lot now. And I think he's probably like at probably the second best player in the draft, but it seems as if the uh, NBA executives have like soured on him a little bit or the, his stock has fallen i don't know what necessarily would cause that but if he's available at eight i don't think it's even a question i think he's the pick because he's just far and away like a top three four prospect no matter how you look at him so i think that would be an interesting pick if he were to be there because even though i don't think he should be a lot of people seem to think that he will well the last one go ahead chase i'm sorry no you can go Well, I was just going to ask you about LaMelo Ball, who seems to me, and maybe this isn't the impression that you're getting, but it seems to me that there's a lot of NBA draft pundits that even maybe have him somewhat going towards the top now as being the kind of guy at number one. Like if I were to say Anthony, I think Anthony Edwards would have been that guy entering into this kind of process that seemed to be the biggest number one prospect, even though it could have gone either way, but it seemed like Anthony Edwards was garnering that kind of attention. Now I feel like LaMelo Ball is getting some of that. Chase, do you kind of get the same feeling? And if so, how do you like LaMelo Ball as a prospect? Yeah, I definitely get that feeling. I don't know I don't know what is turning the the media pundits onto him at this point, but I think that he he's probably the only player in the class that has like all NBA or perennial all-star potential which 
play. I mean, you just can't say that about anybody else. Even if Anthony Edwards lives up to his potential, I don't think that he's that type of like top flight NBA player. He still would be very good, obviously, but I don't think that he's like a perennial all-star. And I think that LaMelo is probably the only one that has that potential just because he's right off the bat, probably a top three passer in the NBA. I mean, he's insanely creative. He has pick and roll command. I mean, he is, he can throw like one handed hook passes with either hand, any type of creative pass he can handle. So I, I definitely think that there's good reason for him to be up at number one. Now I think he's my number one personally. I, yeah. would, I would pick him number one. Doug and I talked about Devin Vassell out of Florida state yesterday. I think we both really like him as a potential top 10 pick. What say you about the kind of prospect that Devin Vassell is? I agree. I mean, if the Hornets like happen to fall to like nine or 10, I definitely think he'll be available. And at that point he, he'd be a really solid, like safe draft pick because there's very slim chance that he doesn't end up being like something productive in the NBA just because of how good he is at defense and just shooting spot up three pointers. And then if he develops even like a little bit more like pull up scoring gravity and like some playmaking and becomes more of like a, like a, like an interior defender rather than just a wing defender. Cause he is like six, seven. And I think his wingspan is like six, 10 or six, 11 mm-hmm. too. So he can handle a little bit bigger guys. If you were to add some weight, I think he's a great guy for the Hornets to look at if they end up like falling from eight a little bit. Cause I think eight might be a little bit too high for him. Cause there's still players like, like Tyrese Maxey or Tyrese Halliburton or Okongwu or James Wiseman available to have like a little bit higher ceiling than he does. But he's definitely a good, like safe, like PJ Washington type pick where he might not be a superstar, but he's almost definitely going to be good. Well, and and that was going to be my next question. I find myself really like Devin Vassell and yet I know and understand that he's kind of a safer pick. It's something of a known quantity when I did not want miles bridges for some of the same reasons. And I I did not want PJ Washington for some of the same reasons. Now I think PJ Washington is actually pretty damn good. Like I loved what I got from him last year. I was totally wrong on him at least where I think uh, that he is as a player. Now miles bridges, I still feel somewhat the same about, but I I really like Devin Vassell. um, and, And yet I still have those same types of feelings, um, except in a positive way this time. You know, Chase, when you look at the kind of guys that the Hornets have gone after, is it time to take a big swing? Like, is it time to take a chance on someone that has a lot of star power? Or are you completely fine with getting a known quantity, kind of like a Vassell fits? Uh, I mean, I think there's always like a little bit of an incentive to just take that swing no matter what. Because, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets, let's face it, they're probably not attracting a superstar in free agency. So the draft is really their only way to get one unless they trade for a guy that just signed an extension or something like that. But that's kind of an extenuating circumstance, but I'm more than fine with them taking swings. But in this draft, unless they move up a little bit, I'm definitely fine with them taking the safe pick as well, because there's, we know that this isn't like as deep of a draft as normal. Like there aren't as many star players to begin with, especially if you're picking eighth rather than in the top four or five. So I, I I definitely think the safe pick might be a solid like route to go this year, but in 2021 there are a lot more stars that you could t- potentially take. So I think that's the year to you know take the big swing. I'm trying to take a lot of big swings right now during this quarantine. I'm trying to read a lot of big books, but I don't have a lot of big time. Uh, that's why I'm using Blinkist. Blinkist is amazing. It works on your phone, your tablet 
your web browser. Blinkist essentially, they take the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and they condense them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you and me who want to get the main points of a book quickly so we can start using that information right away. And it has an audio feature. So if you don't like reading words, it makes my head hurt sometimes. I like to pop in the audio version and I can do anything I want to while consuming some of these great nonfiction books uh, very quickly. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days, and you get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. We had our second edition of a Whitney Wednesday here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. He's putting out a lot of good content. He's got some content on the Hornets reopening their training facility for voluntary workouts. We just went down some of the list of the second round targets that he thinks the Hornets should take a look at. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Whitney underscore. It was a fun time once again with them. Chase, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Coming up in the next segment, we continue to talk a little bit about the NBA draft and whether the Hornets actually should go after the star player and why I feel a little bit differently about that. Again, that's next on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body and then mid making fun of other people doing that. You said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, we're getting a lot of LaMelo ball love. We talked with Chad Ford, who he thinks he's in a tier by himself. I don't know if you heard the fire truck come in. I promise I don't have any hot. Because LaMelo is smoking hot. Hello, they need to put the fire out. But LaMelo seems to be a guy that is kind of rising up the draft boards and not even so much coming all the way from, you know, the teens getting to be a top five pick. He was always probably going to be a top five pick, but it seems like a lot of people like him enough to make him the number one overall pick. Do you get that kind of feeling when you look at the analysis of a lot of other NBA draft pundits? I just think that his basketball IQ is feel for the game. His ability to break down defenses uh, with, with his pass is really alluring to a lot of teams. And I think it's, it's a skill that stands so far above the rest of the prospects in the top five or top 10 that I think that's what makes him attractive. You know, Anthony Edwards, a lot of athletic ability, but I think there are big questions about, you know, just his basketball uh, smarts, just his ability uh, to really command a game. And look, if you're going to pick a guy, number one, I think you want there to be some prospect of him being the best player on your team. And I think there are a lot of questions about whether Anthony Edwards fills that role. I don't think there are as many questions about whether LaMelo Ball can someday be the best player on your team. 
Yeah. What do you think about the question I asked Chase um, about terrible taking the safe pick or actually swinging for the fences? Can you answer my terrible question? Because even though it is terrible, I would like to get your opinion on it because it's something we kind of knocked for the Hornets, right? I think Miles Bridges, I still feel comfortable about the pre-draft analysis that I had with Miles. I kind of feel like that's somewhat playing into what I thought. I think he outperformed expectations a little bit his rookie year. I think his sophomore year wasn't all that great. I think I was dead wrong about PJ. Like I did not like the PJ Washington pick. And then you start to see him in preseason. You see him, you know, hit seven threes against Chicago. And I was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm way wrong on him. Like I love PJ being in a Hornets uniform, especially with the guys that were taken after him. But Devin Vassell is somebody, and I don't know what the other known quantities are, the guys that have the low ceiling, but somebody that you feel comfortable about. It just seems like that usually is a knock, especially for a team that needs to take the home run swing. You know, what do do you think, Doug? Because I I want the Hornets to try to find the star and I, I want them to be risky. But if that 2021 class looks so good and they have some guys that are reclassifying and that class is becoming more and more packed by the minute, do you just take the safe guy in this draft once again and then in 2021 take that swing because you're still going to be a lottery bound team, in my opinion, next year? Yeah, I think at eight, because of the weakness of this draft, a lot of the picks that are going to be at your disposal, depending on how things shake out, are going to be risky picks. I mean, they're going to be, um, you know, a lot of upside versus, well, this player might just end up being a low tier role player. Uh, in that way, I like Vassell in that I think he does have skills that will translate, will translate quickly. And, uh, you know, the big unknown for me, for a lot of these players, is just what is their desire to upgrade their skills? Uh, and, and just it seems like Devin is a player, uh, from from what I gather, that that just came to Florida State and really wanted to improve his game from freshman year to sophomore year. And so I tend to like those kind of players. Uh, so... I don't know if that answers your question. I just think that at this point, this if they end up at eight, I just don't know that that pick is going to really be this significant in the long-term history of the Charlotte Hornets if they miss or make. And obviously if they make, it's just going to make things easier down the line. If Vassell can be the third, fourth you know, starter on your team uh, that you've built over the past couple of years, I think that's a win. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, you know, and even a guy like just not to use Devin Vassell's name and beat it into the ground. I, actually I just want really to make like sure I say Vassell enough times that I remember that it's not Vassell, it is Vassell. It's Ajanta. I really like Patrick Williams, too. I mean, Patrick Williams being the other Florida State Seminole that will be in this draft. He wasn't a great three point shooter. He didn't take many. He didn't make too many. But it's, I think he does have a stroke that would indicate that it's OK. Uh, his defense is fantastic. He is a good free throw percent, uh, free throw shooter. So that might indicate that he could grow upon his outside shooting. And he averaged 9.2, an athletic dude. Like, I, I like Patrick Williams. Like, that's somebody that I also kind of like and that kind of player. Give me the athlete that I think you're absolutely going to get something out of him pretty immediately. You know, maybe this is the draft to just do that again. And you, if you were to go back and try to find me contradict myself, you could absolutely do so by going back and finding one of these podcasts after the draft and saying, I want them next year to take a swing. But as we've kind of gotten these prospects uh, declaring for the NBA draft, just see what we have working here, uh, what we have, uh, uh, what we're working with. You know, Chad Ford has LaBelle Ball in a tier by himself. And in a normal average draft, 
Chad Ford was like, yeah, I mean, he'll probably be a top three, top five pick, something yeah. like that. And he's in a tier by himself. If it's that week, man, cool. Give me the known quantity, and then we'll go after it again next season. Here's the thing about Vassell. 6'5", 170, long arms. <laughs> he's got a perfect two-guard body. And here's the thing. If he works out, then he solves your problem that you've got right now because he plays defense so well. He solves your problem that you have right now with the long-term viability of your backcourt. And, and it allows you to maybe look at options for moving Terry Rozier to another team. So if, if, if they believe that Vassell can be that guy, then I think they have to take that opportunity to finally have a legitimate two-guard option because Malik Monk ain't it, Nick Batum ain't it, and I don't know that Terry Rozier's it if they're going to you know stick with Devontae Graham long-term. So uh, one other thing that I want to get to is uh, Chase brought up how well the Hornets were playing before this season stopped and, and the implications of that if the Hornets have to play again. And I think we can't understate that. I mean, they beat Miami 109-98 in the final game. They played, uh, they beat Houston 108-99. They started off like on a 20 to nothing run. They lost a close one to Denver by two. They lost a close one to San Antonio by one and then played the Bucks pretty well for three quarters. And then the Raptors, they beat them by three in the game before that. So a, a lot of good wins to end the, you know, before the pause. And so I think there's a question, could the Hornets, I think they've got a lot of pride. They've got a lot of young players. And I think that that actually suits them. If the Hornets were to find themselves in some kind of group stage or playoff plus format, I'm not necessarily counting the Charlotte Hornets out immediately. You want to play Devontae Graham in that scenario, then you want to play <laughs> right. PJ Washington in that scenario. Because here's the thing what do you have to lose? Like, honestly, like Devontae Graham, I think, is going to be a really, really good player. PJ Washington may be an all star player in the future, but I'm not sure either of them are like, well, no, I am sure. No, I don't think any of them are like LeBron James, James Harden level talents. And so until you can figure that out for sure, I don't think you rest them. You play them because the, and, I, and I think they're going to want to play. I'm with you if there is a chance that, that the Hornets can make the playoffs and, and maybe run into a win or two. I, I'm totally with you on that. I think we've both been on the same fa uh, page as far as like building some type of winning culture. But if they can't, Doug, I just don't know if I see the value of playing Devontae Graham or PJ Washington for five games. And let's say that they, you know, average 20 points a game for those five games and they have a, a good field goal percentage. I just don't know what that does for them going into next season. I can't figure out <laughs> why that would be worth the risk of possibly injuring them. And by the way, possibly altering next season and their play because the season is going to come so close completion of this year well can i can i run some cruel irony by you because listen for the past i don't know decade of charlotte basketball we've just be, been living in a cycle of cruel ironies so can i can i run this scenario by you i would love for you to so the nba decides yes we will play a limited regular season a few teams get off the hook but the hornets do not because they sit in 10th in the eastern conference they make some kind of cutoff where it would matter that they play plus they have to you know do some things for the regional sports network so they decide to play it out but the hornets then further decide that they're on team whitney and team walker that you they want to protect their assets so they don't play Devonte graham and they don't play pj washington and one would think that that would make them play worse 
But then they decide instead of playing the G leaguers, they will instead play some of the uh, veterans that they've been burying off the bench. Suddenly, Nick Batum just plays at an all-star level, the level we've always wanted to see him play (laughs) at. And they end up uh, actually going to ninth in the Eastern Conference. They make their, their lottery odds somehow worse that is that's my uh cruel irony take um that could happen that's the scenario that's worst case scenario i think that would be a possible one seed in a uh worst moments in charlotte hornets history (laughs) all-time bracket but let's let's i know where you're going let's i think we need to save i don't want to i don't want to transition from that terrible uh outcome Uh into the great so let's save the moments brackets you're stopping this bus i I gotta go and i gotta rev up well because we got a we got a juicy matchup here it's kimba's all-star game start uh versus uh who's the who's the next seed uh, versus Alonzo morning shot. No, well, yes, I don't have the results on that yet because I forgot to post it to Twitter. It's on Twitter now, so you can vote for it now. Mm-hmm. But the next matchup is Kimba's All Star Game start versus Courtney Lee's shot, and I really want to dig down into this matchup. So I say we save it for Friday. Okay. Well, I tried to get it going, but then Doug dove in front of the bus, and now <laughs> I have to stop. Is the guy that is chaining himself to the tree that he wants to save. And I am the bulldozer that cannot and cannot knock down that tree. I wish I could, but we'll just talk about it on the next episode of lockdown Hornets. That wraps up this episode of lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to built bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of lockdown NBA, Chad Ford's big board, Hollinger and Duncan. Make sure you guys have a great day and we will talk to you again on Friday. Whitney Wednesday. Whitney Wednesday.